So our message today, I've entitled, Understanding the Times. Understanding the Times. And so God desires for us to understand the times in which we live, to not only understand the times, but to be able to interpret the times. I believe we are living in a very unique time in history. There may be some parallels to other times, I'm sure there are, but I can safely say that nobody has ever lived in a time just like today in the history of the world. Uh, we are facing things that have never, never, ever happened before. Let's look at First Chronicles 12, verse 32. It says, of Issachar, which was a tribe in Israel, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And so this verse tells us that these men of Issachar had an understanding of their times. They understood the specific times that they were living in. And why was that important? It was important because they understood then what Israel, what they ought to do. In other words, understanding the times gives us insight into how we are to live wisely in the times in which God has placed us. So we didn't decide to live in 2022. You know, who, who said, okay, I'm going to be born and live in 2022. That's, no, we didn't decide that. God chose both the time and the place in which we were to live. And God wants us to understand the time so that we know how to live wisely. So what are the times that we are living in today? What do we know about them? Let's look at Acts 2.17. Now, this verse is taken from a sermon of Peter on the day of Pentecost. And he is describing what was happening on the day of Pentecost. And to, to help the people to understand and to help us to understand, he says in Acts 2.17, In the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And so the last days began not a few years ago. They began 2,000 years ago. They began when Jesus ascended into heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the last days is going to continue until Jesus returns again. And so we are living in the last days. Don't let anybody tell you the last days are off in the future. No, we are living in the last days. In fact, we are living in a time that is 2,000 years closer to the return of Christ than it was on the day of Pentecost. We are much, much closer to His return. So what's going to happen in the last days? There's lots of arguments about what's going to happen in the last days. Some people say things are just going to get better and better. The world is going to get better People are going to love each other more. Everybody's going to get saved. It's just going to be wonderful. And then on the other hand, there are people that say, well, no, it's just going to get worse and worse. More evil is going to come. People are going to fall away from the, from the faith. And things are going to get worse and worse. So, what is the answer to the question in the last days? Is it going to get better or is it going to get worse? Well, according to the Bible, the answer to that question is both. It's going to get better, and it's going to get worse. 
It's very important to understand. I'd like to illustrate that answer by a parable that Jesus told in Matthew verse 13. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. So the kingdom of heaven in the last days may be compared to a field in which two types of plants are growing. First of all, there are wheat plants. Uh, wheat is a, a good plant. It's going to feed people. Wheat still feeds people all across the world. It was growing there, and it was going to yield a great harvest. But besides the wheat in the field, there was something else growing. This translation calls it weeds. Other translations call it tares. Uh, these are weeds that were planted by an enemy in this wheat field. And they also are growing. They also are maturing. And those weeds were very difficult to distinguish from the wheat plants when they were immature. And that is a description of the world that we live in in the last days today. Wheat growing and these weeds, these tares growing. Now the wheat represents believers who are growing and maturing in the Lord. Each of us is like a wheat plant. We are bearing fruit for God as we grow closer to Him and as we serve Him. At the same time, there are weeds. What do these weeds represent? They represent unbelievers. And they are growing and maturing, not in righteousness, but in evil. Both are happening at the same time. And this is going to continue until the judgment. Verse 30, Jesus says, let both grow, the wheat and the weeds, together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned but gather, gather the wheat into my barn. And so there's going to be the wheat and the weeds growing together until the harvest, which is when Jesus returns again. Only at judgment day will the weeds be removed and burned, an allusion to being burned in hell forever and ever. But the wheat will be gathered into and remain in the kingdom of God. And so those who predict that everybody's going to be saved before Jesus returns are wrong. We see it right here from the teaching of Jesus. And those who predict that everyone is going to fall away before Jesus returns again are also wrong. And so things are going to get better as we walk with God as believers. And things are going to get worse as evil matures as well. Those who are walking with God will grow stronger. Those who are walking with God, I believe, will see more miracles. We'll see more people saved. At the same time, the evil in the world is going to grow stronger. It's going to grow more perverted. It's going to grow more wicked all around us. When we understand the times, we will be ready for Jesus' return. Let's get to our main passage in Luke chapter 12. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them the portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. 
So in this story that Jesus is telling, we have a master. The master is meant to be Jesus. And believers are like the manager. We are to manage the things that God has entrusted to us while he is away. The master is away right now. Jesus is not with us. He's in heaven. We're supposed to serve the master. This manager was helping others in a household. He was feeding them. He was taking care of the household. It's a picture of what we are to do as we serve Jesus. And when the master, when Jesus returns, and if he finds the manager doing as he instructed him to do, he's going to be blessed. The manager will be blessed. But, verse 45, if that manager says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he does not know. And will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And so if the manager who is a servant to the master does not serve the master, he thinks, oh, he's gone. He's not going to come. He he doesn't see what I'm doing. And he begins to mistreat the servants, gets drunk, doesn't fulfill his duties. The story is going to be very different when the master returns. You see, the master that is Jesus is going to return when the manager doesn't expect him. He's going to return at an hour, an unexpected hour. It's going to take him by surprise. Jesus' return is going to be a surprise visit for everyone. That's what the Bible teaches us. And when Jesus returns... There will be no time to repent. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but when Jesus returns, it says every eye is going to see him on the whole planet. How that works, I don't know, but I'm sure God can figure it out. When Jesus returns, everybody's going to see it happening at the same time. And in that instant, in that second, everyone's eternal destiny is sealed. You're either a believer or you're not. Your eternal destiny is either heaven or hell. There is no time to repent once Jesus returns. What Jesus finds at that minute, at that second, will determine a person's eternity. Now in this story, the punishment for this wicked servant, it says, is cutting into pieces and putting with the unfaithful or the other unbelievers. That's simply a description of being sent to hell. It doesn't mean he's killed and out of existence. No, hell is the eternal place that people go to be tormented forever and ever. Two other scenarios are described by Jesus. Verse 47, And that servant who knew his master's will but not, did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. What's this verse all about? It's Simply talking about different levels of punishment in hell. It's going to be awful even for the light beating because it goes on forever. I mean, just that thought. Sometime, just meditate on being in hell apart from God. I believe apart from everybody else, you'll be all alone with only demons around you. 
forever and ever. Knowing it didn't have to be that way. Knowing that you had a chance to believe and you didn't do it. Forever and ever. It's an unbelievable, well, we have to believe it, but it's hard to take in. So hell is eternal. It's an existence apart from God forever, different levels of torment. Believers who knew what they should do but don't do it receive a severe punishment, and others receive a lesser punishment. But when we understand the times in which we're living, closer and closer to the time of Jesus' return, we need to be ready for his return. Now, do we really understand the gravity of what Jesus is saying here? Somebody could serve God well in their life for a while and then decide it's too much bother. Maybe I'm just going to take a break for a while and enjoy a time of sin. Jesus returns. And you're enjoying your time of sin, it's too late to repent. All the good that you did in your life would be forfeited by not being ready for Jesus' return. Now, this doesn't just apply to Jesus returning across the planet. The same could happen if you meet Jesus through death. Not everyone has a chance to repent before they die. You must be ready to meet Jesus. And one day, everybody is going to face God's judgment. And the believers who continue to serve God faithfully throughout their lives will be judged for their degree of reward in heaven. Their degrees of reward in heaven as well. Those unbelievers who didn't serve Jesus will be judged for the degree of punishment. So we need to be ready for Jesus' return every day. Secondly, and perhaps surprisingly, we need to realize that Jesus brings division. Verse 49, Jesus says, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. A lot of times we hear people describe Jesus as meek and mild and just a loving person who would never hurt a flea. Never say anything offensive to anybody. And the only people who believe that are people who haven't read their Bibles. As we read our Bibles, we see that Jesus was direct. Uh, he, was, he wasn't afraid of offending people by speaking the truth. And that's what he's talking about here. What is this fire that Jesus is going to cast on the earth? It's the fire of God's judgment. When Jesus returns again, he's going to cast the fire of his judgment on the earth. It says that Jesus is looking forward to that. He's looking forward to the day of judgment. And we as believers should be as well. Why? Because God's judgment is going to, we saw it in the parable, is going to remove all the evil from the world. All evil from the kingdom of God. All the evil people. The things that make life Difficult. Jesus looks forward to that. The baptism that Jesus is talking about here is, is the baptism of suffering and death that he was going to face as he went to the cross to die for you and me for our sins. And what will determine who is affected by 
this judgment of fire that is coming. He says, verse 51, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. Now, most of us would say, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought Jesus came. Don't we sing that song, peace on earth, goodwill to all men? And talk about that in a minute. But Jesus here says he did not come to bring peace on earth, but rather division between people. He speaks of a household. I don't know, perhaps parents and children, two parents and three children. I don't know. And they're divided. Parents against children, children against parents. What is Jesus talking about? He explains further in verse 53. They will be divided father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So what is this division that Jesus says he's bringing into the world? The division is simply the division between believers and unbelievers. A believer is a child of God. And an unbeliever is frankly a, a child of Satan. And there can be no real peace. There can be no real unity. There can be no real fellowship between a believer and an unbeliever. For the believer, Jesus does bring peace into our lives. Peace with God. Peace with other believers. But there's always going to be division between believers who are living for God and unbelieving and unbelievers around them, even friends and relatives. And to understand the times, we need to realize that Jesus brings division. Now, sometimes believers tend to beat themselves up and think that it's my fault because there's division in my relationships with perhaps unbelievers. Now, we can cause problems between people by doing things we shouldn't. But if you're loving Jesus, if you're walking with him, there is going to be a division between you and the unbelievers in your life. Now that division is the way it is. It's not a bad thing. It's a sign that you are a true believer. And over time, God can use that division to draw the unbeliever to himself. You see, as a believer, let me say as believers, we need to live our lives differently than unbelievers. There needs to be a difference between us and the unbelievers around us. If there's no difference in our lives as a believer and the lives of unbelievers around us, something is wrong. We should be different. We should talk differently. We should think differently. We should believe differently. And so when we understand the times, we realize that Following Jesus actually does bring division, but God can use that. Next, to understand the times, we need to understand the time is short. Verse 54. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat. And it happens. And so Jesus is talking about how people forecast the weather by looking at signs in the sky. Clouds of a certain color coming from a certain direction meant rain was coming. 
in the near future. Winds from the South Desert in Jesus' day meant that scorching heat from the desert was going to come in the next few days. And when we understand the times, <clears throat> there are signs that point to what is going to happen in the future. Verse 56, Jesus says, You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? God desires for us to be able to interpret the spiritual signs of the present age. And to do that, to understand what's going to happen in the future, we need to compare what the Bible says with what we see happening around us in our time, in our society, in our world. The crowds that Jesus was talking to had seen signs. They had seen Jesus do miracles. They'd seen him heal the sick. They'd seen him cast out demons. They even have seen or at least heard of him raising the dead. And yet, they still, many still did not understand the times. They did not understand that the Messiah was walking among them. They didn't understand they had to believe in him in order to be saved. Verse 57, and why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge. And the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. What's Jesus talking about here? Well, in this short parable, Jesus talks about a person who is accused of a crime and is compelled to go before a judge. Jesus is saying, if you know you're in trouble, if you know you're going to the judge, you know you're guilty, you need to settle with your accuser before you get to the judge and he throws you in prison because you're never going to get out. What is he talking about? Well, in this story, the person is meant to represent us. Each of us has committed a crime. We've sinned. We're all sinners. And going to the judge is the final judgment. Every person on this earth is going to face the final judgment. And prison, in this short little story, is hell. And so what Jesus is saying, you need to get your lives in order before the final judgment. You need to get your lives in order before the final judgment. While we are alive on earth is our only opportunity to be forgiven of our sins and our crimes or sins before God. And so make sure that you are forgiven and no longer guilty before facing judgment. When you understand the times, you understand the time is short. Now I've observed over the years that people have a great tendency to live as though they're going to live forever. We all know that's not going to happen. We all know none of us is going to live to be 200, right? But we live as though it's just going to go on forever and ever. And many people say that I'm putting off getting right with God until near the end of my life. You know, when, I, when I'm old, when I'm in the nursing home or whatever, then I'll get right with God. But now I want to do what I want to do. Whether I consider it sin or not, I want to do what I want to do. I want to enjoy life and then I'll get things right just before the end it really works out that way 
rarely works out that way. Other people have bought into an increasing amount of false teachings with respect to eternity these days. The teaching that hell is not eternal, that ultimately you're going to get out, it's only for a short time, is becoming increasingly popular. Why? Because the idea of hell forever is, is a terrible thought to think about. Just meditate on that for a while, what that would be like for someone. The teaching that there's something called purgatory, again, that basically is hell, but not for very long, is a similar teaching. There's nothing like that in the Bible in any place at all. A teaching that you can just get into heaven and escape hell by being a good person or by doing good things is also false. The only way to have your sins forgiven, to escape hell and to go to heaven, is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus and living for Him. And so realize the time is short. Get right with God today and don't put it off. And so this teaching is about understanding the times. We need to be people who understand the times that we're living in and, and interpret, correctly interpret those times. We are living in the last days. We are living in a time in which Jesus' return is closer than ever before. And so we need to be ready to meet Jesus at any time. And we need to talk to other people about getting ready because Jesus could come at any time. We ought to live as though Jesus could appear at any second, at any hour. There's not going to be any advance warning. In Jesus' story, the the manager didn't know what day it was going to be the master would return. He didn't know at what hour. When Jesus appears, everyone's eternal destiny will be sealed. There'll be no time to repent. There'll be no time to change. And even today in our lives, Jesus brings division. It's not a bad thing. It's something to understand it happens. And my prayer is that would put some of you have peace with what's going on in your life with unbelievers. It's not your fault. There is not going to be complete fellowship, complete harmony with the unbelievers in your life. Now, we're not saying separate from them. We're saying continue to lead them to Jesus. But this division is something that is going to happen. It's not bad. Because being different than the unbelievers in your life can help lead them to Jesus. Understand the time is short. The time is short not only to get right with God, but to do the things that God is calling you to do. Don't put it off. Say, well, someday I'll do the things God is. No, do what He's calling you to do today. Make use of your life. Get busy doing what the Spirit is leading you to do. Ask God to help you understand the times that we are living in. And the good things that He has for you in those times. Your life can get better and better. And not to be discouraged about the bad things around us. Get busy doing what God is calling you to do and He will bless 
your life. To get right with God, first of all, you need to repent to turn away from living life your own way. Turn away from your sin. Repenting is not simply saying, sorry, I want to go to heaven. Repenting is saying, I understand this was wrong. By God's grace, I'm never going to do it again. And if I was in the same situation, I wouldn't do the same thing again. A lot of people have this idea, you know, of confession where I did it. I know I'm going to do it again. I'm just going to confess again. And it's not repentance in a biblical sense. Repentance is turning away from sin and choosing never to do it again. Secondly, believing, believing that Jesus died on the cross that we might be forgiven, rose from the dead, he's alive today, and we are going to submit our lives to following him as our Lord. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now if you're here in person or watching online. I'd encourage you to pray with me if this is the first time you've prayed a prayer like this, or perhaps you'd like to rededicate your life to Christ this morning. Pray something like this. Father, today, I repent, I turn away from the things I've done wrong in my life. I'm living to please myself and not to please you. I believe Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe he rose from the dead. Come into my life. I submit my life to serving you as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. Let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for the teaching of Jesus. The bold teaching of Jesus. And we pray that it would wake us up to the reality of the times in which we live. Help us to live ready for your return at any second. That if you would catch us as you're going to catch. When you, you would catch us at every moment of our lives. We would be thing, doing things that please you. That we wouldn't be doing some things that are hidden in a closet that we don't want anybody to see that we foolishly think that you don't see. Help us to be open before you in every area of our lives, being ready for your return. Thank you that you taught us this morning that there is going to be division between us and the unbelievers around us. Whether there are our workmates, our neighbors, our friends, our relatives, we're not going to have complete unity and fellowship with them if they're not believers. But help us to use that difference. The difference that you've made in our lives to lead them to knowing you. May we understand that the time is short. The time is short before you return. Help us to be ready for that time. Help us to work and do the things that you are calling us to do. Letting the wind of your spirit guide us and fill us as our lives are blessed even as your judgment is poured out on those around us. We thank you for the blessing of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.